In business and life, relationships are everything. Welcome to the People Catalyst Podcast, where we interview top business leaders and learn how they build relationships with their teams, clients, and those that promote and refer them. Here's your host, business trainer and leader of the People Catalyst team, Carla Nelson. And welcome to the People Catalyst Podcast, Alan Fadden. Yes, and it's a beautiful day to trip over yourself. Yeah, well, you know, we are going to be talking talking about the tripping point, <laughs> which a lot of you probably read the book by Malcolm Gladwell, the tipping point. We've actually brought it up so many times in our podcast, and but for the purpose of this podcast, we are going to talk about the tripping point and how to reach the tipping point without tripping over yourself. So for those of you that have read the book, um, this will be a lot of fun. Actually, it was really fun because I read this book originally like 15 years ago on an airplane to a conference in San Diego. And it's just one of those cool books that makes you kind of scratch your head and be like, wow, I've always kind of experienced the world in a certain way. And, you know, uh, uh, Malcolm Gladwell really has a unique way of bringing like, huh, wow, I never thought of that. And so uh, the, the book was published in 2000. And really, Gladwell, he defines a tipping point as the moment of critical mass, the threshold, or the boiling point. And so the whole crux of the book is basically, um, it fosters the idea that um, ideas, products, messages, behaviors, all of that spread like viruses do. And so, and Alan, I know what you're yeah. going to say next. <laughs> it's kind of like and something, some other thing we talk about all the yes, time. Yes, exactly. That uh, The good news is that all this can be is spread in a predictable way because along with this is uh, 110 or 115 years of research into the law of diffusion of innovations. And... Uh, the so things go in an orderly fashion. So when he talks about uh, uh, critical mass and the threshold and the boiling point, you can you can also uh, de- describe the it in the way of of who actually does it because that's predictable. So the innovators pick it up first, the early adopters next. That's sixteen percent of the population together, and there's early majority, late majority, and laggards. And so you can uh, learn a lot from combining Gladwell's idea with the law of diffusion of innovations, and we will. Uh, Which is actually get a, lot into more, that. a lot more predictable than a virus. Uh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> Imagine a virus that would you could find it in exactly the same places at the same time every time. So that's what we're talking about, and uh, pre- to put that predictability into something that looks pretty uh, random. Uh, can be very valuable. Yeah, uh, it reminds me of that uh, the quote we were talking about. Um, yes, from Arthur Kessler, "The Act of Creation," nineteen sixty-one. Yes. Creativity is the the defeat of habit by originality. And then, uh, what? How do you do originality? Of course, you use your imagination. And uh, so, if you want to start a move a movement, you actually have to create a new habit to replace the old habit. And that's something that Gladwell doesn't really, doesn't really tell us how to do. And yeah, that's it's why the we're starter. Here. He's totally a shaker. You can yes. tell he's a shaker. He's, and he's a maven. He makes you think differently about different things. And you could just Which tell just 
Yeah, which is awesome because, you know, and, and, and I love how you put that in creating a movement because I think we're having this shift to movement marketing and, you know, just focusing on the why, right, Simon Sinek. I mean, we've been here for a while, but understanding because the way media is changing and the way you connect with your team and your customer uh, and, and those that support you is shifting. And so, you know, if you want to start a movement, the one thing that I think, like you said, is missing is that we need you all. We just need you at different times. So understanding that the shaker might start the movement or the mover, right? And we'll get into that in yep. a minute. Just, but realizing that has to continue on. And I think that's why a lot of movements die because you, you've got to start it, but it's just like, you know, you have to continue to foster that and different people are going to foster it at different times. Uh, and so I think really embracing that around that, you know, movement focus uh, that we've been seeing. And, and I, I think, honestly think, you know, Simon Sinek started it, what, 10 years ago with his TED talk, right? Start with why. But um, what Gladwell focuses on are these three groups. And so um, let's take some time to break down these three groups because it's it's quite interesting, again, to think about who starts a movement and who finishes a movement. And so the first group that Gladwell talks about in his book are these connectors. Uh, and actually, there's a great book on this, How to Be a Power Connector by Judy Robinette, um, a good friend of ours. And she and a wonderful book. Oh, wonderful book. And she learned how to do this not being an early adopter. Uh, it mm -hmm. just creates a little bit more stress for those probably. And just, you know, routine. Imagine that. You can turn into any of these by impacting a process on top of it, even though it might not be your natural core nature. But the first group are these connectors. So these are the people in a community who know a lot of people. And they love to make introductions. If you, in the Bay Area, they call them actually nodes. And if you think of a, like a computer, it's like your network hub. So, and they typically know people from all walks. So, you know, regardless if they're in the news and media or if they're um, attorneys or if they're, you know, in real estate or VCs, right? They know all these different people and they love and have this natural gift for bringing people together. And so they can make friends easily. They're really interested in people. And um, what he talks about is this um, individual knows more than a hundred people, which I started to think about that, Alan. Do you know what? I, I'm pretty sure I'm up to about like 1200 or 50. I mean, I don't talk to them all every day, but it's like when I looked at this group and what his definition, he uses the example of the six degrees of set. He actually has a whole bunch of examples, but the one most people know of really well is six degrees of Kevin Bacon. And so, and he talks about how important these people are in the realm of, you know, the tipping point. Yeah, in fact, uh, it reminds me a little bit of, uh, do you remember Metcalf's Law? It's oh, yeah. uh, uh, the, the effect of a telecommunications network is proportional to the square of the number of connected users of the system. And then, Met, so, uh, and he goes N square, meaning what? The nodes, actually. They, you know, that's what they started calling them uh, nodes as far as people. It started with Metcalf's Law, I believe. Yeah, that's interesting. And and understanding who these people are, while important, you know, and of course, we know who 
which core nature of work <laughs> they <laughs> likely are the easy ones right the ones that it comes naturally to mm -hmm. are the movers the movers yeah so and, go ahead well and i was just saying and and it's not that everybody can't learn how to be a connector it's just less like they don't have to try. They kind of come out of the womb doing it, right? Instead of learning a process or a system for it. And so and that's, that's why we important. call it their core nature. Mm -hmm. and, and I think that's important. And, for the, and so those that it's natural to, right? We don't want to exclude others that may in, have an intention about it. These people just do it because they love it and it's easy to them. Uh, and I think in the book, they really focus so much on the importance and th that is important, but that's important for starting, right? Yes. It's not imp as important for, and we'll get to a little bit about what core nature of work that, you know, why movements fail because we put so much focus on the early adopters. And so the second group that uh, Malcolm Gladwell talks about are the mavens. And so these guys are the information specialists, right? These are the people that, whoo, they always have something new to say and they always know what's up and coming. Um, and they love to accumulate knowledge. Um, and, and what he talks about in the book is for the marketplace. And I think that just means the new product, new service is what he's, you know, the new um, cutting edge, or they always like to call it bleeding edge, right? And they love to share this stuff with other people. And so they're constantly, you know, sharing and trading. And, and, and I think he refers to them in the yes. book as information brokers. Uh, that's right. And these are most likely shakers because they're thinkers. They like to invent new things. And they also like to share their ideas on things with everybody. They're the most e eager to share their ideas. And this can all, all often be in the form of information. So and one thing that I want to point out, too, as you're listening with this is uh, if, you, if you're wondering about your connection to mover, shaker, whatever, uh, you might be someone who's like a prover, for example, and uh, but uh, really being into connecting. But uh, the question here is, does connecting give you energy or does it drain your energy? So sometimes people do things because they know they're important or they know a lot about it, but they suffer for it. And that's uh, how you can tell whether you're in your core nature or not. When you're in your core nature, doing these activities energizes you, doesn't drain you. Yeah, and I think that's a good point too, because with the mavens, you might think that a prover is an information hub and and um, communicator of information, but they like to look the other way, uh, backwards is what I mean. It's not necessarily the bleeding edge, it's what's the, not gonna work with the cutting edge right. and all the things that they've used that are tried and true. Yep. So, and again, so we're just, uh, it, it's not like, you know, we're trying to put everybody in a bucket here in the three areas. But I think at the end, when we look at the numbers with, you know, 110 years of marketing research, we just want to have you understand that the focus on the early adopters is so significant. And that's what we miss is not capturing then how to wrap it up, right? How to continue it and make whatever it is that you're doing an idea, a movement, um, you know, a purpose, a uh, company, whatever it is, get to that point of um, engaging those later adopters, because it's clear here that 
again, the third person that they're talking about are salespeople, right? So these are the persuaders that Malcolm Gladwell talks about who are charismatic, they have neg great negotiation skills, and they have this trait that goes beyond what they say, right? They, they are just hyping about whatever it is that they're doing and their focus is to engage others to and to you know bring them a solution to whatever problem that they have and it's natural to them and as you yeah. can see all those three are likely you know and these are my likely uh, movers and shakers as well the salesmen and uh, the reason for that is if you know what we're talking about it's a, a person's approach to sales and they're just people who love to get out there in front of people and have either great ideas or routes toward getting something new done and they love it and uh, and it's movers and shakers who sell that way now that doesn't mean all salesmen are movers and shakers because uh, there can be an information heavy sale or a complex sale can be provers you know where most of what you've got to do is provide information or guide somebody through a labyrinth of of uh, of choices to get to the final order and uh, you're not going to see too many movers and shakers doing that kind of a sale and so but i don't uh, but for the purpose of the book i think he's definitely talking about that persuasive Right. Absolutely. And so, so what we're, and, and I think the point you're getting to Alan, which I think is critical is we're not trying to put everybody in a bucket here with the three different people that he's talking about, but the type of sales person he's talking about in the book is definitely an early adopter, not yes. somebody who's giving a, a, you know, complex, heavy sale when somebody basically already made up their decision, they're more like an order taker and it's heavy on the detail. Um, in in moving them through so i and but for the for the most part what he really truly is looking at in those three groups the connectors the mavens and the salespeople breaks down he breaks that down and and it's so funny he gives this a new name the law of the few it's based off Pareto principle everybody knows the 80 20 <laughs> principle and i think it's funny yeah. how people like to just give it a new name right and then call it their own but and he, what he's talking about is that the success of any kind of social, and it's funny, when you're talking about something negative like vandalism and crime, you call it an epidemic. When it's positive, it's a movement. Did you notice that? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. It's like, because you can't have a movement of, you know, crime. That would be horrible. It's an epidemic. <laughs> yeah. And so in the book, either you're talking about the epidemic, which is crime, or the movement, right, which is, is, which is positive. But what he breaks this down is, is that that group, those three individuals that he's referencing, come down to the 80-20 rule, which is 20% of the people are doing 80% of the work. And, and that principle has been proven over and over again. But I think it's interesting because what we're saying in regards to the early adopters is really critical when you look at that, uh, just based off the law of diffusion of innovations. Yeah, and it's interesting because whenever you talk about something like a just a principle like the Pareto, the 80-20 rule, is uh, think about this, that 20% that creates 80% of the results, wherever you are or whatever phase you're in, is closely, closely related to the 16%, 20%, 16%. And that is the most extreme movers and shakers. These are, uh, in terms of the law of diffusion of innovation, these extreme movers and shakers are uh, innovators, which is 2.5% of the population. 
and early adopters, which is 13.5%. These are the people with the inner locus of control so that they march to the beat of their own drummer. So together, they're about 16% of the people, not too far from 20% if you're looking at a whole at a whole universe. And, uh, and this, is, this is no accident because um, it's how, you know, we need us all, all four core natures of work. But when you're starting something, you got to start it with the starters. And who does that? The 20%, the 16%, the most extreme shakers and movers. Those are the ones who start the revolution. Or as they say, never ask a king to start a revolution. <laughs> You've got to have somebody who's not in power of the status quo to make that change. These mm -hmm. are the early adopters. Well, and that's exactly the subway story that they have in the book, right? It's very similar to, um, you know, how they had that zero tolerance, right? Um, Absolutely. And so, so you have an idea, but then you have to get, you know, through, and it, you could probably tell the story. You're always, yeah. I love this uh, your storytelling, Alan. <laughs> both. You're so kind. Uh, so uh, in New York, uh, some of us remember when you'd go down to the subway and every rail car was covered with graffiti. And uh, it, it was not, not particularly artistic graffiti. So basically everybody was taking spray cans and spraying whatever they wanted to on the, on the subway cars. And it just gave you kind of a, kind of a nasty thought about the, the, uh, uh, the whole experience of traveling in the New York subway. So they decided that they would paint over the graffiti at night. And then, so every day, and they do this every day, so every day they'd start with a fresh car. And so, and all the cars were clean every morning. And so the graffiti people came out, sprayed them again, and all their work was gone the next day. And they did it again and again and again. And finally, the graffiti artists just said, hey, let's just go somewhere else. This is, uh, you know. Not they're just working. <laughs> yeah, it's not working. They're just defeating everything we're doing. It's like an Etch-a-Sketch. So uh, that, uh, creating that uh, as a zero tolerance of uh, painting graffiti on subway cars uh, actually, uh, expanded out to relate to the rest of crime. One of the other things they did in the subways was uh, if somebody jumped the gate, uh, they had always, they never did anything about it before, but then they put police down there and they would arrest people who jumped the gate and didn't pay for their subway rides. And so these, these things completely started something. And the key was they repeated it again and again and again. And what kind of work is that? Maker. When you get up, <laughs> make her work, they love to repeat things, but you have to get all the way through the process to get to that. But the interesting thing that I love that uh, Gladwell said was this all led to a decline in more violent crimes for the whole city. So just starting little minor, you know, little things make a big difference. Minor uh, crimes being thwarted like vandalism. Yeah, and he actually goes a, a little deeper, and and he goes deeper into that verse and talks about your context. And for the purpose of the podcast, we're not going to get into that. But and he talks about your environment and how that environment is created and how that impacts that um, by doing that zero tolerance. So you guys can check out the book, and it's interesting for. But the purpose that we're focusing on is we want. You don't understand that you have to go all the way through the process to get to that maker work. So for a movement to happen, it 
you have to have the idea and then you have to get it adopted, but it has to roll into a habit to create the movement long-term because again, there's the tipping point. That's exactly what the book is talking about. You have to focus on those that are willing to adopt it and then the pendulum swings and that's when it rolls downhill uh, from there. That's right. That's when it's got all the momentum. And here are a couple things to think about. One is just a little rule of thumb. Starters start, finishers finish. So you can't finish a new movement without the later adopters. You have to have the finishers to finish it. And, you know, it's the same for fixing broken windows. It's, it's the makers who don't mind repairing the windows. And it's, and it's a maker uh, thing to fix every broken window. Yeah, that's before. a good point because that was another story in the book yes. that, that was, you know, about, you know, just not only the environment, which I talked about for a second context, but then also when they just, every time there was a broken window, they fixed it. And then they all of a sudden that, in, that impacted crime and, and vandalism. Yeah, because nobody would want to be the first one to break a window in a building. But if somebody broke a window and then nobody fixed it for a few days, it'd be like, well, nobody cares about broken windows. Let's have at it. Yeah, and that's the context I'm talking about. But for this purpose, what we want to talk about is the actual proactive, positive, the movement, not the epidemic. <laughs> right? <laughs> I, I thought that was hilarious. Uh, yeah. in, in the book. But it's so true, right? It's a movement if it's positive, it's epidemic if it's negative. Uh, but the movement of then reducing crime, reducing vandalism, and and the idea that was created of saying, okay, let's fix the broken windows. And then you've got to figure out the team associated, how are you going to roll this out? What's the plan? And then you have to figure out all the stuff that can go wrong with the plan. Can you get it all done? How are we going to, you know, and I'm going through, by the way, shaker, mover, approver here. And then you have to have the person that goes out every single night or every time there's a broken window to fix to do that same process over and over and over again. And that's and a maker. Exactly. And so, and that's really the, what we're trying to point out. Great book. We loved the tipping point. It was so awesome to read it again because yeah. it's been, gosh, it's been probably 15 years since I read it, uh, maybe a little bit longer than that. I remember the seat I was sitting on on Southwest headed down to San Diego and a business conference, and it was just really super cool. It made me think of another book, Freakonomics, um, that I also read during the same time, which was kind of interesting. Right. We might have to do a review of that one too, Alan. So when you read the book on the airplane, there was nobody outside spraying graffiti on the airplane. <laughs> no, not from Sacramento to, yeah. uh, to San Diego. But if there were, then I'd have to create a movement to be able to get that graffiti off the plane. That's right. And you wouldn't be able to create the movement if you ran into the tripping point. Yes. Because that's where you trip over yourself because you're still asking the starters to finish something that they don't, their core nature doesn't want them to do because they're not finishers or they haven't made it appealing enough to the finishers to actually get them to repeat on it over and over and over again. So stay with the tipping point, but avoid the tripping point. 
Yes. And as I have mentioned before, uh, how do you find the early adopters? Well, that's what our assessment identifies. And we are doing the validation study right now uh, for the initial beta test. And for uh, the time period that we have this open, you are welcome to go to the people catalysts. And that is plural because we need you all just not at the same time. Dot com, and you can take a uh, assessment that will tell you if you're a mover, shaker, prover, or maker. And so we welcome you to do that, and we welcome any feedback in that regard. And Alan, is there any last words you'd like to uh, add in before we sign off here? Um, only just uh, part of a word. Word I have a vowel. Uh. <laughs> You know, it is no surprise you used to be a stand-up comedian. <laughs> you always, you never know. It's always Focus. interesting. That's always I always have to ask you. Focus on the words used to be. <laughs> yeah. Oh, <laughs> that's funny. Oh, well, you still you do your improv. That's that that's pretty similar. It's pretty fun. It's just not paid. That's all. <laughs> Who awesome. needs to get paid for doing something you love? Exactly. And that's the point, right? That's the yes. whole point of being a people catalyst, understanding your core nature of work and doing what you love. So until next time, we'll see you then. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the People Catalyst podcast. And remember, it's a good life. <laughs>